You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome back to another episode of Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. And we are back with our episode number two of our mini draft series podcast. This podcast is all about us just kind of highlighting players that the Bears could potentially take at number nine. Um, If you missed episode one, go back and listen. We did an episode on Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, the edge from Iowa. Um, And then so we're going to shift this next week or so through quite a bit of possibilities, eight, nine, 10, 11 different possibilities that the Bears could take at number nine. Some of these we love, some of these we hate, some of these you want, I don't want, vice versa. That's what's fun about this. Mm-hmm. Is we're not going to agree on every person that we think is best for the Bears, especially as free agency really starts to get going and you start signing players and you see what we have and that may automatically just completely flip once you sign a, per- a certain person. But the whole point is to just get an idea of who these guys are, how they were in college, um, their strengths, their weaknesses. We want to know it all. We want to know if they're a nice guy. We want to know if they're a little cocky. We want to know all of these things. So that's what these are for. They're not going to be super long, 10, 15 minutes, just getting to know these guys a little bit more in depth so that you can get a better idea of who you want to draft at number nine when the draft is here in a a month and a half-ish, month and a little over a it's, month. It, why can't it be next week? That's what <laughs> I, I want. I just want it to happen Now that already. we've made that trade, we're like, all right, let's, let's get it let's here. go. Um, which, thank God. Thank yes. God it's done. Yeah, it was stressful. As 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 a fan, it was stressful. <laughs> I can only imagine what Ryan Poles felt like. I know. He was like, and pro at Justin. Justin's just been sitting there like, man, they want to trade me for Bryce Young. They want to just straight up flip-flop me for Lamar Jackson. They want, like everything yeah. you could think of. And now that's done. Justin Fields is our quarterback. But anyway, so this episode is going to be on Peter Skaronsky. If you don't know who Peter Skaronsky is, he's a Northwestern offensive tackle. He's a left tackle for Northwestern. His grandpa played for the Packers. Um, very well known in the Packers organization. So he is a Packers fan. He's from Parkridge, Illinois. He's from Parkridge, yeah. Illinois. So a local guy, but because his grandpa, if his grandpa didn't play for the Packers, he'd probably be a Bears fan because you'd assume, he's an Illinois yeah, guy. it's kind of funny. We were talking about this before the episode, but like the last two guys who've done episodes have had like some kind of Chicago's or connection to Chicago, yeah. whether it's being from the suburbs or like dating Cole Komet's sister, yeah. or, you know, go well, to Northwestern. Iowa, there's right a lot there. of Iowa Bears fans, Oh, yeah, fans there's too. so many Iowa yeah. Bears fans. And not to mention, there's a ton of Northwestern Bears fans. Yes, so. yes. Um, so we're gonna, going to go ahead and get into this Peter Skaronsky episode. Uh, Peter is 6'4", 313, 32 and 1 fourth arm length. That is one of the things we will address because that is one of the things that a lot of people have been talking about since the combine. Um, 10-inch hands, though. And so we are. We were joined by Louis Vacare. He is the publisher and managing editor of WildcatReport.com, the Northwestern Rivals site. And so he uh, is about to hop on with us. That way he can get to let us know a little bit more about Peter Skaronsky. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is 
you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now we are joined by Louis Vacare. He's the publisher publisher and managing editor of wildcatreport.com, the Northwestern Rivals site. So, Peter, I just wanted to say thanks for hopping on with us. Obviously, right now in the world of the Chicago Bears, it's a, a very important offseason. They need a lot of things, but they have a lot of money. They have a lot of draft picks. Uh, they just made a breaking trade on Friday, getting DJ Moore as wide receiver, also getting two first-round picks, two second-round picks, but it does bump them down to that ninth spot. So now we are here trying to figure out at what potential, what possible way the Chicago Bears can go at number nine. And obviously today with free agency hitting off, we've made a few moves. They went and got uh, an offensive lineman in Nate Davis, and but that's all they've done so far on the offensive line. So we'll see if that changes, um, which kind of brings us to... Peter Skaronsky. He that just sounds like a offensive lineman name to me, first of all. But um, <laughs> let's let's talk about Peter a little bit. Obviously, he was a four-star prospect coming out of high school, so it seemed like his success was imminent. It was going to happen. Most people kind of expected that out of him. But the start may be a bit earlier than what some thought. With COVID happening in 2020, the Big Ten obviously with that interesting start, and Justin Fields actually one of the ones backing it up and getting them to kind of continue on with the season. Um, um, and the guy that was supposed to be playing left tackle opted out. Rayshon, I'm trying to remember his last name, Rayshon Slater. Yes, Slater. So, yeah. yes, so he opted out. That led to true freshman Saronsky stepping into that spot. He earned the second team all Big Ten that year. Was there any surprise that he kind of caught on that quickly and did so well as a freshman taking over for Rayshon? Rayshon, sorry. Um, I mean, not really. I didn't expect him to play at that level right away, but I mean, he was a huge recruit for Northwestern. He was a local kid, four star. He had some big offers. So for them to get him, first of all, he, that was a blue chipper. He was the, you know, obviously the jewel of that class and one of their biggest recruits in several years. And so expectations were really high. And he's one of those guys, I think he exceeded them like all three of his seasons, you know, he started right away. Um, Rashawn Slater was supposed to be the left tackle, you know, and he was a first rounder two years ago. We're talking about an outstanding football player. He opted out for 2020 
they thought Skaronsky was going to play on the right side. So they flipped them to the left and he just hit the ground running. And he's one of those guys, you kind of put him out there and don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, I don't think he ever gave up more than two sacks in a season. Um, outstanding technician. He's a great athlete. He's got great feet. He's a student of the game. He works hard. He's a smart kid. I mean, he's, he's the total package. He's a, He's the guy that I think he's as, you know, NFL ready as any offensive lineman in the country now or really any year. I think that guy's ready to step in and play right away. So uh, for Peter, obviously, he's a big time recruit, four star recruit. He went to Maine South. Uh, For those who aren't aware of Chicago suburban football, especially in the north, Maine South, they kind of run the show. And funny enough. He's a Packers mm-hmm. fan growing up. I Uh-oh. went to Glenbrook South, which happens to be like one of the main rivals of Maine South. So this guy just oh, yeah. got rivals with me left and right here. But I still <laughs> I still might want him on the football team. So going back to anyways, how did uh, Coach Fitzgerald manage to convince Skaronsky to get on the campus at Northwestern? Well, he's, uh, you know, Peter Skaronsky is a quiet kid. You know, he kept a really low profile. I try, you know, a big part of my job is is recruiting and I talk to recruits all the time. That guy never responded to a text, never picked up a phone, anything. You know, nobody talked to that guy. So he kind of kept it real low key. And, you know, Northwestern's that kind of program. I think he really connected with Kurt Anderson, the offensive line coach, um, and, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, who's, you know, recruited Maine South. They're a power program like you're talking about. Um, So he's recruited a lot of kids out of there for a long time. So they had a good relationship with the coach. And, you know, I don't think it was that hard of a sales job. You know, he's also a very good student. He appreciated, you know, North the Northwestern degree and the academic side of things as well. And I think he thought that uh, they could, you know, challenge him in the classroom and on the field and make him the best offensive lineman he could be. And that's kind of what happened. And, you know, I, you know, you, you mentioned the Packers. His grandfather, Bob Skaronsky, played with the Packers in the Vince Lombardi years. He had like 11 – I think he played 11 years and won five NFL championships. He's in the Packers Hall of Fame up there. So he's a, he was a big deal. And, you know, Peter kind of idolized him, and now he's following in his granddad's footsteps. Yeah, it's so funny. If Peter wasn't so good at football, it'd be pretty hard for me to convince him to get this guy on my team, considering, <laughs> like, he loves the Packers, he wants to main south. It's just all against me. But, you know, he's very good at playing football, so I'll think about it a little yeah. bit, I guess. Well, it's funny. It's one I will I will let it be an exception, since his grandfather was such a, you know, a, a big part of the, frac- the Packers organization. But if he was just a fan, it's a little different for me. But, Louie, so when you were talking a little bit about him being just pretty much successful from the beginning, when I you look at his numbers, his freshman year, like I said, already incredible. He had he only allowed eleven QB hurries, four QB hits, and just two sacks that season. But when you fast forward to this junior year, only four QB hurries, two QB hits, and one sack he allowed in his junior year. What do you think his biggest improvement was during those three those three seasons? Yeah, you know, I've asked um, both Fitz and and Kurt Anderson about that, and you know, they they talked about incremental things. It wasn't any one thing. He would work on you know, his footwork a little bit, you know, whether it's his kick step or he'd work on his um, hand placement and things like that and his strike. And, you know, they were all little technical things. And, you know, Kurt Anderson told me that, you know, Skaronsky is one of those guys, you tell him once and that's it. You know, he, he adopts that technique, whatever it is. And going forward, that's just the norm. It, it just becomes a standard. So he's, he's a quick learner and he's a guy that, 
he, he, you know, he really loves football and he's a technician. He just loves the nitty gritty of the offensive line. And he's a guy that picks up things quickly. So I don't think it was any one thing. And he certainly got stronger. Um, but you know, you could see it on day one. I, I remember the first time I saw him in practice, just, you know, just his body, you know, he, he's just really wide in the shoulders. He's thick. He's got big arms. I mean, I was like, well, that's what an NFL player looks like. You mm-hmm. know, you, you saw it right away. And with his feet, you could see that on day one. You know, he he had a lot of uh, God-given ability. And then, you know, he just had to improve techniques and little nuances of the game. But from day one, he was a dominant player. He just had the complete skill set. So we've talked a lot about the positive sides of Peter Skaronsky, and nationally speaking, there's been quite a bit of news about him that hasn't been the most positive since the Combine's happened. His arm size, mm-hmm. specifically his, his, his arm length. Um, yep. That has been something that's been a lot of concerns for a lot of people, saying that like he might not even be able to play tackle, might have to swing inside. Um, he still has stayed pretty consistently in the top 10 when it comes to mock drafts, it feels like. Do you think he'll be able to play at the next level, even though he doesn't have the longest arms in the world? Yeah, I've got no doubt. You know, I tell you, it's it's funny because his his the guy before him, Rashawn Slater, also a first rounder. He went 13th overall to the Chargers. They had the same questions about him. Now his his arms were a little longer than Skronsky's, but that there was the same thing. Whether he's a tackle or he's going to move inside to guard, and they the Chargers put him at left tackle. He made second team All Pro as a rookie. He was he was outstanding from day one. Um, I see the same thing with Skronsky. Now, you know whether I think. If you want to put him at tackle, I've got no doubts he can be a tackle. Because you watch his footwork and his athleticism, you know, I don't think the fact that his arm is an inch or two less than ideal is going to matter. I mean, I think he, he does more with his feet. You know, that to me is what makes him exceptional. He's so athletic and, and his feet are so quick. Um, but, you know, if I think as a tackle, that, that might influence where he gets picked and how much money he makes and stuff like that. But you know, if you if you need a tackle, you put him at tackle. If you need a guard, put him at guard, whatever it is. it's You know, he's going to start the first game, and he's going to be there for the next 10 to 15 years as your starting offensive lineman. And he'll, be, you know, he'll get better every year, and he'll, he's going to be, a, you know, I'm sure an all-pro level kind of guy in his career. Yeah, I think it really kind of just shows how talented he was at Northwestern mm-hmm. because they have had the combine, and his draft stock doesn't seem like it's changed too much. I mean, he's maybe not looked at as like a top-five guy anymore, but he's still, I think, mm-hmm. looked at as like 10, top 10, top 15 bullish places. So Yeah, and, and yeah. Louis, it's, it's interesting to me, too, because obviously the Bears went last year and they drafted a guy named Braxton Jones, and he started for left tackle last year for the Bears. Start, struggled a bit because obviously coming into the NFL and playing left tackle right, you know, right away as a rookie isn't, as, isn't super easy. Uh, but mm-hmm. he really started to adjust things as the season goes. So I'm really interested to see how Ryan Poles addresses that if he wants Braxton to stay at left tackle. And if so, if they did go uh, Skronsky's way, then I feel like maybe they would shift him into guard. And you mentioned you, his ability. You fully feel like he's able to play that guard or tackle position. How would you feel if him personally, do you think he would be fine with moving to guard if it came to that in the NFL? I think so. You know, he's talked about that a little bit, that, you know, he, I don't think he cares that much. He'll play guard. If you want him to play guard, he's fully confident he can play tackle. You know, that's more of the premier position. I think the competitor in him wants to prove that, you know, that he can do it, but I don't think he'd have any problem moving inside. You know, it's kind of Slater, 
when when he I talked to him shortly before the draft and he was adamant that he was a tackle. He wanted to play tackle. He didn't like talk about him going to guard. He kind of took that as an insult. I don't think Skaronsky's like that. You know, he'll play wherever you want him to play. So I don't you know, he won't be insulted if the Bears want him to move him inside or anything like that. I think he'd be fine with it. Um, but in my eyes, I think he can play either position. I think he he would be an excellent tackle. He can certainly play guard. He can play left tackle. He can play right tackle. And really, that makes him more versatile and more yeah. valuable, right? He's a guy that can you can put him wherever your greatest need is. Yeah. Yeah, and then you could also test him out a lot of different places, see where he succeeds the most. So it's very important to have the versatility. So we kind of touched on it a little bit. The uh, big problem with a lot of Bears fans for Peter Skaronsky, his uh, Packer roots. Do you think his family would be willing to trade the uh, the black or not the black, the green and gold for some blue and orange uh, if he was uh, drafted to the Chicago Bears? Do you think they're still going to begrudgingly root for the Packers? Oh, I think that they'll be Bears fans. I think, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of zeros on that contract. Yes. Yeah. A lot of reasons not to be a Packer fan anymore. <laughs> Yes, that can sway your opinion. You can get rid of all of that green and gold and put in the navy and orange in your house and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they'll have a problem with that. All right. Well, a couple more for you before we let you go. Obviously, you mentioned his the, the versatility of an offensive lineman obviously is huge, but also another, the biggest ability is availability. And we had a lot of issues <laughs> on the offensive line last season with the Chicago Bears being able to stay healthy at one point. Louie, we went, we were on like eight or nine different formations we had on the offensive line because of injuries. And so it yeah. wasn't fun. Um, when you are looking at his career in college, did, was injury ever an issue? Was he pretty healthy most of the time? What, what was Peter's status with that? Yeah, he, he, he didn't miss a game that I recall, uh, not off the top of my head. I'm sure he got dinged up. You know, mm -hmm. I know that, uh, there were some times where he'd miss practice during the week or something like that. But, uh, on game days, he was ready to go. And, you know, whatever, you know, everybody gets dinged up, right? Uh -huh. Everybody's playing hurt at some point in the season. And whatever uh, issues he had with his body certainly wasn't evident on Saturday. You didn't see any evidence of that. Um, he's, you know, he's a, he's built like a, a brick house. He's, he's a big boy. He's thick. He's, he's got the whole package, you know. And um, so, yeah, that, that was never an issue in college for sure. That's what I like to hear. Like I said, it was it was rough by the end of the last season. We had guys on the offensive line that I was just like, "Who is this? I don't even know the I don't even know who this player is." Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a Bears fan too. So you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it was a tough season for sure. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're dealing with all the benefits of the tough season, or mm -hmm. we're receiving all the benefits yeah. of the tough season now. Yeah. So we're going. That's with right, that. and, yeah. and I like what Poles has done so far. That, I, that I, deal I, last week, boy, that was great. Oh yeah, I was excited. Week, yeah. DJ Moore, yeah, yeah, it was really exciting. So um, something else I wanted to wonder, I was wondering though, is historically speaking, Northwestern really hasn't been the best football program. Pat Fitzgerald arrives, you know, things have gotten a lot better. They're looked at a lot more respected these days. And then you mentioned earlier, Rashawn Slater, a few years ago, comes out as one of the top tackles of the draft. He's been a stud so far in the NFL. Skaronsky now coming up in a very similar position. What has led Northwestern to be able to produce such effective offensive linemen for the next level? Well, it's, I mean, it's recruiting and, you know, it's what they've always done. I, I think Kurt Anderson, uh, he's got a lot of credibility as a offensive line coach. He developed a couple first rounders now. He had some NFL experience. He's been in the SEC and now he's at Northwestern. I think he's perceived as a, a pretty good offensive line coach. And, you know, it's, you talk about night and day though, right? Skaronsky, like we talked about, he was a big get, the crown jewel of that class and uh, one of their biggest 
recruits in, in several years where Slater was the opposite. Slater was a very low level guy. He only had a couple other power five offers. No one really knew much about him. And he's the guy that came in and, you know, started day one and started every game in his career. So, you know, they, they, they find, you know, a guy like Scaranti is kind of the anomaly. They find diamonds in the rough and then develop them. And that's exactly, you know, with Slater, they got a guy that was ready to go on day one and he continued to improve to the point of getting to a, uh, a first round draft pick. And you can, you can bet too, that now they've got a little bit of a track record that's going to pay, they hope pay some dividends in recruiting with these younger guys coming up that they, you know, when they look at Northwestern, they see, Hey, they put two uh, first round offensive line. And in three years here, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. If I also recall, wasn't Greg Newsom a Northwestern guy too? He got drafted pretty high. He well, was. So yeah. yeah. They yeah. had two first rounders that year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, program on the rise. <laughs> yes. I like it. I think it's always interesting too. When you, when you think of certain programs, you obviously immediately start to think of certain position groups because I feel like Notre Dame's the same way with kind of the offensive linemen. Iowa pumps out tight ends like nobody else. So there's just those programs that you think of automatically. And it looks like Northwestern's definitely that, that uh, trenches type of place, you could say. But one more for you, Louie, before we let you go. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about Peter being kind of the more quiet type. But obviously, mm-hmm. if he was drafted by the Chicago Bears, there's a potential that three to four of the offensive linemen would be in year three or under starting on this O-line next year. So that's a that's a very young offensive line protecting Justin Fields. Do you Does he have the leadership qualities, though, even though maybe he may not be too loud? Is it more of like his leadership from play type of thing? Yeah, he's an example kind of guy. And, and I think this year, you know, Fitz talked about that he kind of took a step, got out of his comfort zone a little bit and was a little bit more vocal with other players and holding them accountable and things like that in the offensive line room. So I think that in him, he can do that. I would imagine as a rookie, he'll kind of, you know, take a step back and let other guys lead. But, uh, you know, this year, you know, he knew he was the alpha dog in the room and he kind of, you know, kind of became more of a leader. And, you know, we were talking about Northwestern. Northwestern had four guys at the combine this year, too, which is yeah. pretty impressive. That, that was. That is yeah. pretty good, yeah. And they have Did, an addresser that's supposed to go pretty high in the draft this year as well, I'm pretty sure so. Yeah, at a time of Yeah. Debare. Yeah. Well, I like it. That's a name. I got, I got to name. learn how to say that one at the Bears draft, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a name. Well, he ran a 4 or 5. Wow. Combine at good. 280 pounds. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I like that. All right, well, Louis, thank you so much. Um, have fun Thursday. You guys have Boise State at 735, yep. or I guess our time, 735 on Thursday. So hope you have a good time. I know this week's going to be a little bit crazy for you. So I really uh, appreciate you hopping on with us. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to getting out to Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like it. Have a good one. All right. So thanks to Louie. Um, so he is not concerned about his arm length. He says that obviously he's been able to handle himself. The one thing that I'm wondering, because I'm like very much pro ba- Braxton Jones. I lo- I really really like what I saw out of Braxton Braxton Jones out of the end of last season and I understand people maybe wanting if we were getting like a Orlando Brown, if we were getting McGlinchey, which whoo, they paid him. A lot of money. Um if you were getting a star veteran proven left tackle, I would understand. I don't know if I want to draft another left left tackle this high when we just drafted one last year that was really showing a lot of improvement last year pre- per- personally. So for me, I would like them to, if they did get Skronsky, I would like them to have this conversation with them ahead of time. Like, hey, you're probably going to be a guard. Yeah, and that's the thing or too. Or a right tackle. Yeah, and like that's the thing too. Like, 
I think it is important to draft offensive linemen in in the draft and address that need because so far through through free agency we've had some success, but you know we haven't really changed the landscape by any means. Mm-hmm. But tra- taking a guard at the ninth overall pick, I don't feel great about that. Something else to think about is like, yeah, you could say you're taking a tackle. It's like, well, he could be a tackle. He also could be a guard, and like it is important to be able to have that versatility, but also at the same time is like you're getting paid a lot of money if you're yeah. getting picked that high. So yeah. like you got to be successful and like. It's a very important position to be successful at, and when you miss on those, I miss on those ones. It just feels so much worse because, yeah. like, let's say we take Skaronski, and then like a guy like JSN gets drafted and turns into a stud receiver, yeah, and then you're yeah, just like, so what? You're just like, what were we doing? Yeah. You know, like, and like even another even worse thing is just like, let's say we take Skaronski, Paris Campbell goes the next pick. Yeah, he's way better than than Sko, yeah. You know, and then like that's just not what you want. So that's why I definitely need. Ryan Poles to be when you're picking that O lineman to be just like yes because there's a few that the draft network has in their top and they have Broderick Jones they have Paris Johnson and they have Skaronski. Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell's receiver for the Colts. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, never mind. Uh, Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson Jr. and Skaronski all in their top fifteen. Yeah. So that's you know like you definitely want to make sure you are grabbing the guy because like you said if you draft a guy at nine. And then a guy that goes five, six, seven picks later is a lot better and also is maybe a position that you needed a little more. It hurts. Yeah. And like there shouldn't be question marks at that high. Yeah. You know, like if you're picking Skaronsky like mid teens towards 20 ish, you're just like, there's so much potential here. Yeah. There's some drawbacks, but like you're trying to try and hit home runs at that point in the draft. Yeah. When you're picking top 10, you're picking a guy that like this guy needs to be productive. Maybe and not, be ready to go right now. Yeah, like he doesn't have to necessarily be like an all-pro player yet, but yeah. there needs to be things that like this team's trying to get successful quickly. Yeah. We're not trying to, you know, win three games next year, four games next year. We're trying to be competitive for the playoffs, ideally. Maybe Clyde in his wild card yeah. slot. So like we got to get better quickly. And yes, Skaronsky, I do think, is going to be a good player in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Great player, I don't know especially as, as a tackle, even more of a question mark there. So it's just yeah. a lot of question marks for a guy that we'd have to pick very high and invest quite a bit into. Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, Louis seems like he's pretty confident and he's a Bears fan. I don't see him, like, super throwing a guy's name out there as a fan of that team if mm-hmm. he didn't believe he could. And he seemed pretty confident that he could go in. And he, he said the most NFL-ready offensive lineman he's seen in a long time. Like, yeah. that's his words. And, like, I will say to like their credit, like, there is a lot of stuff about Rashawn Slater where it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, this, this, and that. And, like, you want the same exact concerns, but, like, he has proved yeah. everybody wrong. Which arm length was, and they're not quite yeah. as short as Skaronsky's, yeah. but it was a thing that people were talking about. Yeah, and, about. like, that is something, too, where it's just, like, I do think a lot of like the measurables that go on in the combine are just so unnecessary. It kind of almost feels like you're at, like, like a cattle auction or yeah. like a dog show or something where they're just kind of like got these pieces of meat on display and like look at how perfect they are and this, this, and that. But at the end of the day, it's how successful you are on the field. Yep. And Piskoransky was successful on the field. I do think though, arm length or wingspan, whatever you want to call it, there it's is, important. it is very important for the yeah. offensive line and defensive line as well because like, Whoever gets their hands on the guy first is going to have an advantage. Yeah. Yes, it doesn't guarantee you're going to win that snap, mm-hmm. but it gives you a way better chance of doing so. Yeah. So it definitely scares me a little bit. Yeah. And that's what we talked about on Helmets and Heels, I think almost like a year ago when we, no, it was right after the draft um, when the Jags, dra- when the Jags drafted Luke Fortner and we were talking to Jeff Logman. If you don't know Jeff Logman, he played for the Jags for a very long time on the defensive side of the ball, but he came on with us and went into 
extreme detail of how important arm length and hand size matters for linemen because and he said exactly that like you want to number one get to the guy first and also the further that you can like extend your arms the farther they are away if they can't reach you they're not going to be able to do anything they're not going to be able to pull any moves they're not going to be able to use their hands if they can't if they can't get to you and so to for him that means that he needs to be the fastest guy like you're going to have to be quick because you got to get your hands there first or you're not winning and like that's why the bull the not the bull rush. That's why for him, well, the bull rush would probably not be so good because he might get yeah, a little exactly. work for that. Yeah. But they, um, they on this overview real quick, just because it kind of mentions some in-depth things. So Skaronsky spent his college years manning the quarterback's blind side at tackle, but the body type and skill set are begging for more to move guard when he can play his best football as a pro. He's broad across his upper and lower body. He's broad across his upper and lower body, but he has short arms. Skronsky plays with a deft blend of technique, feel, and power as a run blocker, and is capable of thriving in any run blocking scheme. His lack of length can be a problem against stab and charge bull rushers and edge speed, but a move inside would mitigate those concerns. If Skronsky can get his production anchor sorted out, he has the run back blocking talent to become an instant starter and a top flight guard. Yeah, and like that's it. Feels like the arm length typically is usually more important for the outside guys because like you're operating with more space and like if there's a guy on your left and right when you're a defensive tackle you're not going to be able to like take advantage of your size as much yeah but when you're in when you're outside you're kind of on an island out there so if you got a big a big strong guy like tyree wilson who's got the longest arms in the world he can just put his hand in your chest and yeah. you can't do anything you're, about what it. what are you going to do it's yeah. like the big brother and little brother it's, fighting it's like when you, you just put his arm his out yeah and you're and like you swinging around and yeah like, like what, are, what are you supposed to do with that because at the end of the day like you can't do anything about that and like there are ways to make up for it because like mm-hmm. They are coming towards you. You're not going towards them. So I feel like that's a little bit different where he can like use his footwork and some of his strength and, and smartness to get around that. But I still think it is a detriment to have in your game. And when you're talking about the ninth overall pick in a draft that is so important for the Bears, it's a lot of question marks to take him that high for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that, me too, uh, this isn't one that I want to go for. This is just one that I've seen as an option, obviously. And yeah. some people may be high on Skaronsky, um, but... I personally am not. I get it. I understand the appeal. Like, yeah, I think he's sure. going to be a good player. It's just there are a lot of question marks, and it's not like in a vacuum. There are other yeah. players around that I think could be a better shot for us to take. And I also, I get it just like so badly. Like, Justin Fields was sacked 55 times, and I've said that so many times this offseason, but I think that like for us as fans, as people, as media, as people covering the Bears and talking about the Bears, you want to protect him so badly because now you went and you got D- DJ Moore. And so now you're like, okay, look, we have DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, probably going to draft another wide receiver at some point. Where that is, I'm not totally sure. But the the offensive side of the ball already looks better. So now if you add, now you got Nate Davis to help protect also. So now you add one more piece to the offensive line, and that offense is going to be completely different yeah, than it was and like, last year. Something, something else that I will say that keeps just bothering me to no end is like, People are just like, Justin wants to be protected. Justin wants to be protected. Actually, Justin went on a podcast and they asked him, who do you want to draft? He said JSN. He said JSN. He did not say offensive lineman. He said a receiver. So, like, Justin wants to score points, too. He was like, I want somebody to throw the ball to. Yeah. yeah. Because that's part of it. I will say, this was before the DJ Moore trade. So, that probably affects things a little bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, well, and that's why I get it. I believe me, I get it. But we also could point to, I think, on Lester's tracking of the sack sack count I want to say he had 11 by the end of the season 11 sacks were on Justin Fields those 11 sacks were on Justin Fields because some of the time 
He just what it just this was being it, dumb. It was dumb mistakes. Yeah. Some of a lot of the time it was because there was no wide receiver open to throw the ball to. Exactly. So if you already, if you have, let's say Braxton Jones takes another leap up, Tevin stays healthy and he's playing really well. Nate Davis is out there. I don't know exactly. Maybe they're gonna put him at right tackle. I don't really quite know what they're gonna do with him. Um it'll I think be, he's gonna be one of, do you think Tevin's for sure locked in at right guard? Do you think he's not gonna play tackle at all? And that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I, like, I, I could definitely that, see us going with like another guard at the draft or free agency and then try and swing him outside because he was so good last year. But he was so good. I love so him at right guard. I know. I know. It's scary. Um, I think Poles will do what's best for the offensive line. Yeah. You really, you saw as bad as it was last year, he really did try to figure things out. He shifted things and moved things and made Tevin go to right guard. And he did as much as he could. It's also what's going on with Lucas Patrick. Lucas Patrick was hurt, but a lot of people say when he's healthy, he's one of the better ones in the league. That And so who knows? Um, that's going to be a major question. But the whole point to me is like if you already you're already a little improved on offensive line because you're already having year two Braxton you already have now Nate Davis and then now you have DJ Moore to throw the ball to so already your offense is improved from last season yeah. going into last season the Bears starting wide receivers were Darnell Mooney we were trying Equinemia to talk ourselves Brown, on Byron, Byron Pringle, Pringle and Nikhil Harry we got Nikhil Harry and I was like oh my god awesome move yeah. Yeah. seventh round pick for a bust of a first round pick <laughs> Great. It's just like our expectations are so much different now. It's completely. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be, it's going to be interesting. And we'll obviously, so far on we, our Lucas Van Ness and our Peter Skaronsky, we are no no on yes. those two personally. So, we will get to eventually one of the ones the, we do well, want. Well, I think the ones coming up next, if I'm assuming it's what I think is correct, he's going to be my favorite guy doing so far. So, yes. and I, I may or may not have mentioned him once or twice this yeah. episode. So. And the next one will have two guys, actually. It's yes. a, actually three, technically. Technically. Two technically. draft guys, one other guy we're going to be talking about. So, if you can guess what that is. Yeah, it's almost like a couple of these guys go to the same school or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's almost like this particular, particular school pumps out NFL or players. It's, it's almost like the same teams in college football are, are the good teams every single year <laughs> yeah. and all the good recruits just go to those teams go but here. that's a whole different discussion for a whole different day so all right well we'll have another podcast coming out this weekend so stay tuned um if you do have any ideas of guys you want us to cover go ahead and shoot me a tweet email whatever uh let me know because obviously we're naming these guys off of things that we've seen and you might have somebody else that you could you really like and see high up um that's how the particular running back I'm there's putting on here. There's still time for some risers to come up in the draft, yeah, too. Yeah, there's, so. there's plenty of time. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, that is Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. And we will catch you guys next time. <laughs>
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.